Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. We do want to give a little warning. The content we're going to be talking about here today it is, and we warned you last week, at PG, PG-13, so uh, if you're, you have younger children here and that, it'll be an interesting conversation at lunch for you to do that. But before we jump in and invite someone we know, a lot of us know very well, I wanted to start off as we get into this that I don't know if you ever heard of these or done, anybody done one of those escape rooms where you go and you get, you've done that? You, you pay like really a big amount of money to get locked in a room. Like, that's entertaining, I guess, is to do that. So um, it used to be called jail, okay, you know, but so it's like, but what it is, is it is kind of cool. There's little theme rooms they do, and you, you get a set of clues, you can do it as a kind of a team activity to get out and everything. And I was thinking about that. Life is kind of like those escape rooms. Like, we spend a lot of time getting out of stuff. We spend a lot of time, we're stuck in a situation, and we're trapped, and we desperately, desperately looking for the exit. Specifically when it comes to issues of habit and even further habitual sin. And we find ourselves trapped and we're trying to get through and we're trying to find the right combination and the right code, secret code to get out. And it's so defeating because over and over again, we find failure in our life. And this morning, as we continue our, our teaching series, is, is that this is that God has given us everything we need for a way out for a way out. And there's a wonderful promise of scripture that we're going to end with this morning, but it's better than talking about it. You know what? It's better to, to hear a life that's been impacted by it. A, a, a real true story. Dakota Andrews is going to get ready to come here in a moment. Dakota leads our Celebrate Recovery ministry. And if you're battling with addiction, if you're struggling with hurt, habit, hang up, Celebrate is a wonderful ministry that we provide that he co-leads and the ministry here, but he's going to share his story. And what he's about to talk about is, you would say it's high on the shame list. So I really, really appreciate his candidness, his courage, his honesty and vulnerability as he comes, because this is something that's not just unique to him and what he experienced. This has affected a lot, a lot of people, and, and it's going to be very, very relatable as he does. Come on up. Let's welcome him here. Hi, how are you? What an intro. What a deep, deep intro. So as Dan said, my name is Dakota Andrews. I am one of the Celebrate Recovery co-leaders here. I'm very happy to be here. Very nervous. I'm going to be very vulnerable this entire time you see me. So I'm, I'm just going to say everything I'm thinking. How about that? Awesome. Great, great crowd. Uh, so what I'm going to be talking about today affects 70% of Christian men and 30% of Christian women. That means there is a, a vast majority of people in this very room that either are dealing with it or know someone has. And the subject we're going to be talking about today is pornography. Exactly. It's, a, it's, it's one of those issues where you hear about it and you go, oh, uh, no thank you. Uh, and it, it's very uncomfortable, but I am very grateful that I can stand here on March 18th at 9.54 in the morning and say that I have victory over this. So let me tell you how this starts. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Way to be. Way to be. 
So my parents divorced when I was one years old. They were very dysfunctional. They were very angry people. My dad abused my mother. My mother abused my dad. It was a generational sin. Their parents before them were very angry people. They were alcoholics. They used drugs as well, and they abused them, and, and that led to them abusing us. And so when they were one years old, they divorced. And so in this divorce, my mom was able to leave. And she was able to go find actually a community of people. She went and found Jesus, and she found just great people, which is an amazing thing. She, she had done everything. She had tried the drinking, she had tried the drugs, and she found no solid ground to stand on. And so when she left and she found Jesus, she actually found a support system. Now, my father did not. My father just went with what he knew. He went back to drinking, went back to alcohol. He just went back to the habits that was very destructive in his life, which led to more destruction. And so in this, uh, my mom was able to, over the years, gather her thoughts, really get the healing, really find people that were for her, and she was able to meet a new man, wonderful man. He's my stepfather. They're still married today. He's just, he's just one of those guys that he, he just taught me the value of a dollar. He, he taught me hard work. He was for me. He was a great man. So she's able to find that, and my father... He had multiple unsuccessful marriages as well. Now, my mom uh, remarried when I was three, and so at this time, I really didn't understand what divorce was. I didn't really understand what it was doing to me. All I knew is that I would go to my mom's house, and then I'd go to my dad's house, and there were just two very separate worlds that I was living in. So as my mom, she, as she found Jesus, and as she found, you know, really just, she, she wanted her kids to have a solid life of just, you know, this is good, this is life, and those things aren't good. So she was basically hell-bent on me not going to hell. That was basically my mom's mindset. Now, my father, uh, he did not care really about anything that my mom had to do. My, my father was very, and I specifically remember, remember him saying this, is dad's house is like Vegas. Whatever happens at Vegas stays at Vegas, which is quite an analogy to use your own home as Sin City, all right? So my dad was very much just the polar opposite. So growing up in this world of going to my mom's house and really just, you know, not able to do anything. I couldn't listen to any certain music. I couldn't watch certain movies, you know, VeggieTales, Bible Man, all of those. So I kind of get a woot woot, anybody? <laughs> that, right on. Um, so I would, I would go to my mom's and I'd be allowed to watch these certain movies and then and listen to like, only this certain kind of music, and then I'd go to my dad's, and my dad was like, I don't care, we're going to watch Terminator, you can listen to whatever you want, and all these kind of things. My dad was just very much, he was, he was drinking most of the time, so the only time he'd really want to connect with me is when he was drunk, because that was the only time he knew how to talk to people. And so I'd go to my dad's, and I'd be allowed to do really whatever I want, watch whatever I want, and he really wouldn't talk to me, he was kind of cold, and then I'd go to my mom's, and I'd be subjected to this, and this happened for many years. I mean, my mom remarried when I was three, so I grew up in this, you know, four, five, six, seven, all these really primitive years of going back and forth, not really knowing how they were affecting me. I didn't have stability. I didn't have a solid home. I didn't know what was really right or wrong. I was pushed back and forth to two separate worlds. And all this really came apparent to me when I was around 11 years old. And I had, I had gone to my mom's house, and I remember I went to my dad's one day, and I remember I just wanted to know my father. I think any small boy just wants to be like his dad. I think that's his mission. I mean, he's a mountain of a man. I mean, he's just, he's just this is my dad. And, and he was just so cold to me. And he was very closed off. And he didn't want to know me, it seemed like. And so one day, he had started drinking. And I remember he was on his computer. And then he went, he went uh, to bed. I was around 11 years old. And, and I went to the computer. And that was the first time I really ever encountered Pornography. Now, I didn't really know what it was. I, I just knew 
exactly like I, I, I had heard about it at school and I had, you know, seen the movies that I have seen and they had talked about those kind of things. And so when I saw this, I was, it was confusing. I didn't know what it was, but my dad was using it. So obviously it was okay. Obviously it was something that, you know, my dad is using it, so I should use it. And so that was the first time I really started using pornography. Now this became a very, this became a habit. After a while, it just became something that I just became drawn to. It was just something that was, became part of my schedule. I'd, I'd go to my mom's and I'd definitely not do it at my mom's because there was no way I could. And then I'd go to my dad's and I'd be able to watch porn. I'd be able to listen to whatever I want. It was great. But then also I would try to connect with him and he wouldn't want to connect with me. He would abuse me. I'd go back to my mom's house. She would not let me watch anything that I was used to watching. So it was flip-flopping back and forth, back and forth, back and forth from 11 to 12 to 13, all these years of really just needing something. I just needed an answer. I, I, just, I needed something. And the only thing I was really getting out of it that I could control was pornography because I had that. I, I had this, I had something that I know that I could do. I could do anytime I wanted. I could, I could have that control but I couldn't control how I was with my father or with my mom because I was never good enough in their eyes, it seemed like. So growing up around 16, uh, I began to really have some serious signs of anxiety and anger. I think it became really relevant towards my mom, and I love my mother. Let that be known. I love my mother. I love my parents in general. My mom is a... She, if she believes in something, she believes in something. I mean, she, I, I, I love my mother so much. So my mom, she noticed I was angry, and she noticed I was anxious. So my mom had an idea, maybe my son needs counseling. She, so she said, son, I think you need counseling. And when my mom says, I think you need counseling, what she's saying is, you're getting counseling. Like, that's just what was happening. And I remember she brought it to me, and I was like, I don't think I want to do that. And I'm pretty sure, like, two hours later, I was sitting in that counseling chair, right? I'm like, I don't even know how it happened. Like, it seemed like she dragged me. So I'm in counseling, and like I said, I had really no idea how to really talk to anybody. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a level of vulnerability with anyone. I hadn't been able to talk to my dad. I didn't really know how to talk to my mom. And so in this time, I was sitting in this counseling chair, and I'm kind of going like, uh, hi, <laughs> I, I'm, 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 how, how are you? And, and my counselor's like, I'm doing great, how are you? And I remember he's trying to get to know me, which was weird and foreign, and I didn't really want to get to know him, you know, because he just, I had never had this level of vulnerability before, and so he's talking to me, and he's really trying to get to know me, and I'm kind of just closing him off, I'm kind of shutting him off, and so... It goes on like this for one session, two sessions, three, about four sessions. It, it just became this thing where my mom was dragging me to, you know, counseling, dropping me off, me going and sitting and saying, like, I'm not saying anything to you. Like, I'm not going to be vulnerable with you. Like, that's not what I'm going to do. And so he basically was like, okay, you know what? Maybe we should just stop seeing each other. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, maybe we should stop seeing each other because obviously – you don't want to have a relationship. You don't want to talk. You don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want to open up. So maybe we really shouldn't talk to each other. And I was like, first of all, are you breaking up with me? Was, uh, <laughs> that sounds very close like you're breaking up with me. And then second of all, what? Like I'm not, I was, it was just an off-speed pitch. It was just completely, it came out of nowhere. It became this time of, of me not really knowing how to talk to someone for them to basically calling me out and saying, I know, I know there's something, and you're not saying it to me. And so that was really the first time of me being thrown off and going, well, 
I mean, I feel angry. I feel angry at my parents uh, for divorcing, for putting me through, for putting me through hell. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And because I feel, I feel anxious. You know, I go to my mom's every two days, and then she says I can't do certain things, but my dad says I can do those things. What is that about? And he goes, yes. And 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 I start diving deeper and deeper and deeper. And he's like, yeah. And he gets, he's like writing these things down. Exactly. Yeah. Good. 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 And so it became this thing where I would I, I would be like, okay, yeah, cool, cool, cool. I can all right. I can talk to someone. And this is the first time I actually had a safe space. I had an actual bubble where I could actually just be able to talk to someone and be vulnerable with that someone, which was different. And so I would go back to my mom's and I'd go back to my dad's and I'd still be closed off because I would just wait to meet with my counselor. I would be still watching pornography because at that time I had brainwashed myself to think it's fine. My dad's doing it. All this stuff is fine. I'm going to be able to just, I'll, I'll be functioning. It's not a big deal. My friends at school were using it. So obviously I had the support that wasn't really support. And then I'd go to counseling and be able to talk. Well, I remember specifically one session I had watched pornography, and then I went to the session. And I remember I felt angry for some weird reason about watching pornography and then going to the session. And I remember I'm sitting there, and he is sensing it, and he's going, well, are you okay? Did something happen or something up? And I'm just sitting there, and I'm going, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's, and he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. You know, I, okay, sometimes I watch pornography, but it's fine. You know, I, I, I watch it sometimes, but I have a control over it, so it's not a big deal. Anyway, so I was, and I just continued to talk, and he was like, what was that you just said right there? Because it sounded like you said you watch pornography, but you have a handle on it, because that's definitely not true. And I remember going, uh, eh, no, I, I mean, it's not that, no, I mean, I, I don't really want to talk about that. And he goes, no, we're going to talk about it. And so he was like, okay, so you started asking me important questions. And these questions are how many times a day? And I remember I said the number, and I'm, I'm going to be vulnerable at this time. I said seven times a day. As a young boy, when you're very confused and you don't know what to do and you're so hurt and you're so broken, you go to the very thing as much as you possibly can to get healing from that thing. And so when I said seven, he didn't look at me like he was disgusted. He just, he just nodded his head. He goes, okay, all right. And what else? He started asking me when did this start, and I told him how many years we had going, and, and that was really the time where he said, okay, um, I'm going to be vulnerable with you, and he actually opened up to me. He was also addicted to this. So now a man was talking to a younger boy about this issue, and we were both having this thing of we were connecting. We were talking about something that I felt like I could never talk to anybody else, and I started really going, okay, maybe... Maybe this is a problem. Maybe this is an issue. And he goes, yes. And so we started talking about, about this issue alone. Every session we would go, we would start making you know, steps. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? He would constantly suggest me getting recovery. I would constantly say, no. And then he would say, okay, well, let's continue. Let's continue to talk about it. And so eventually, because uh, God is a wonderful God, and he wants you to get healing, whether you're ready or not. So eventually, he's like, what we're going to do is we're going to make a cut the porn list. And I'm like, okay, that sounds great. I cut the porn list. And basically what it was, it was just a list of triggers. And every time that I felt like I wanted to watch porn, we were going to have an out. So I, if I was at my dad's, I'd do, I'd, you know, instead of watching porn, I would call somebody, I would leave or something like that. So we made this entire list. 
And I took this list and I put it in my car. Now at this time, I was dating my now girlfriend, my now wife, my lovely wife, who I love very much. And she, we were dating at the time for about a couple of months. And so her and I, we, we were driving to my stepdad's birthday party, and we're having a great time. And the note is still in my car. And I keep looking down, and I go, I should probably take that out, but that's fine. She's not going to find it. Okay. And so we go to, we go to my stepdad's birthday party, and we're having a wonderful time. And we're, we're laughing, we're dancing. She's like, wow, this is great. Like, you know, you're, you're great. And I'm like, yeah, I am great. You're great. And we're like having a great time. And she goes, I'm going to go to the car and get my purse. So I go, okay, yeah, go to the car and get your purse. That's great. So she goes to the car and she comes back with a piece of paper in her hand. Now she wasn't being nosy. She went into the car and she saw this. And in high school, I used to write poems and songs. And she goes, oh, that's cute. It's probably a poem or a song. It's probably about me. He's probably going to sing it to me. It's probably going to be terrible, but it's fine. But she opens it up and it wasn't a poem, and it wasn't a song. It was the cut the porn list. And she brings it to me, and, and, and she, looks, she looks like she just saw a ghost. And I remember, I just see her, and I can read it, and I see it. And I grab it out of her hands, and I point in her face, and I say, that is none of your business. Huh. She starts crying. She's like, I want to leave. I go, all right, yeah, that's, that's fine. And I put my arm around her, and I'm like, okay, you know, I tell my dad, okay, this is, this is, uh, she's, she's not feeling really well. We're just, we're just gonna go. And I get into the car, and she's crying, and she won't let me touch her, and, and I, I'm just trying to comfort her. And this is the very first time that I realized that pornography affects more than just me. It affects others. I had no control. When you're an addict, not having control is the worst. So she's crying, and I drop her off at her parents, and I'm driving home, and I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm like, I don't know what to do, so I have to call my counselor. I call my counselor. He can't see me, but two days later. So I start, you know, I, when I finally see him, I'm, I'm, I'm in front of him, and I'm, I'm going back and forth like this. I just start like, okay, this is what's happening, and I'm freaking out, and I'm panting back and forth, and I'm just all over the place. I'm like, I'm falling apart. I don't know what to do. She knows I have no control. My life is over. This is the end for me. I'm, I'm you know, I'm 16 years old. My life is over. That, that was, it was that, and he's just sitting there, and he's just, he's nodding, and he's going, okay. He's, he's had this smile on his face, and I was like, why, why, why are you smiling like that? And he goes, Dakota, she knows your deepest secret. You're vulnerable to more than someone that's being paid. You care about this person. Now, this is what you need to do. You need to tell your parents, and you need to go to celebrate recovery. And I was like, no, I, I can't. And he goes, I'm not going to see you anymore. I was about to lose someone that I cared about. And now my counselor, who I, the first person ever, I connected with, the first person that I had a safe space with, as an addict, as a young person growing up between two separate homes, and I was about to lose the one thing that I knew that I could have. He was about to leave me. And I go, I'll tell my parents, but I, I, won't, go, I won't go to that celebrate recovery thing. And he goes, all right, we'll, we'll start there. And so a couple of days later, Taylor agrees to see me, and she, she, sits, she sits me down, and she's like, okay, I read a book on the men's brain. 
I said, what? She goes, I bought a book, and I read it in the night. And, uh, and wow. Um, and, she, and, she, and she talks to me, and, and, and she's like, I looked up a couple of resources, and, um, and I, need you, I need you to go to Celebrate Recovery. Had not talked to my counselor, had not talked to anybody else, brought Celebrate Recovery to me. And I was like, why does everyone know about this program but me? I don't get it. She goes, if, if you don't do this, we can't see each other anymore. So I was about to lose my counselor. I was about to lose my girlfriend. So I went, went home, and I approached my parents. I remember they were watching TV, and I, I went up the stairs, and I was shaking unbelievably. And I, I think they were watching the Andy Griffith show. And so they, uh, they were watching and said, hey, I, I, need, I need to talk to you guys about something. And they go, okay. And turn it off and I go, um, I'm addicted to pornography. And I thought they were going to shame me. I thought my mom, who was this, this person that was just so focused on, you know, that's wrong, this is right. I thought she was going to shame me, but she just took me in her arms and she loved me and my stepdad loved me and he talked to me. And I left that encouraged and I walked into a celebrate recovery. Yeah. Now I can, I can share that story, and, and Celebrate Recovery is a great program. I suggest it. It's a 12-step Christian-based program. We do have it here every Wednesday at 6.30. It's a wonderful program. And as a young guy stepping into this program, I was very scared to do it. But that is not the answer. Yes, it is good to get yourself into a recovery program. Yes, it is good to reach out to community, but the only answer, the best thing about Celebrate Recovery is that Jesus is the center of it all. And that is the answer. Because I, growing up in those two homes, I did not want to be a Christian. I didn't want anything to do with this Jesus. And I thought the one thing that was going to destroy me, God used that one thing, flipped it, and he gave me purpose. Because you have purpose. Because too many times, we label ourselves, I'm just an addict. I'm just anxious. I'm just this. Well, I want to tell you something. We have a God that came down with skin and bones on and died with your name and mine. And he broke those chains. And he took that label and he threw it away and said, you are loved and I am for you. And that, thank you. So what are we going to do? Are we going to leave this church service and are we going to go, all right, that was, that was a different church service, right on. What's, uh, what's for lunch? What do you guys want? Or are we going to be the church that no longer ignores this issue? I said 70% of Christian men and 30% of Christian women. Now that is an issue. And the issue itself is that we're not talking about it. And we had, Jesus was down in the dirt. He was with the people that were suffering. He was with the people. So as a community, are we going to be those people who are too afraid because we are uncomfortable? Are we going to be people that wrap our arms around those people and say, you are not alone? Because I was a scared young boy in a church feeling like I could not talk to anybody. But I'm standing before you saying, guess what? 
When people come together, when people recognize that Jesus is the answer, and, and, and I, don't have to, I don't have to be this cleaned up, polished idea, a couple days slash weeks clean version of myself to go back to church, but God wants to be with me right there, right in the mess, right when I feel like I'm not good enough, right when I'm messing up. God wants to be right there in the center. Because we are free to struggle, we are not struggling to be free. And so we're going to put a passage up here that is very important, that I love so much. Hopefully, there it is. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So freedom is an amazing thing, and I can stay in here and say I, I have victory over my addiction. But together... Together, if we serve one another through love, if we serve one another by putting our arms around each other, and I, we can actually say, okay, you know what? I'm tired of being afraid. I'm tired of doing this. I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to be with these people, and I'm going to say I am not ashamed because I have a God that is for me because my identity is in Christ. If we can do that, man, that is an amazing thing because too many times we get afraid and we lower ourselves down, but I want you to know that Jesus wants to raise you up and say, no, stand up. Satan wants to belittle you. I want to show you your true identity because for whom Jesus sets free is free indeed. Thank you for letting me share. Yeah, it's not just a regular church service today, is it? A little bit different. A little bit different. It's so good. Thank you for, again, for your vulnerability, your courage. It takes an incredible amount of courage and really confidence that, that God has given Dakota. I think he's a preacher, don't you think? I think he's a... So that's pretty awesome. And our, our stories do speak, and you have a story too. See, I think it's, it's very relatable, isn't it? It's very relatable. And, and, and the reality is I, this issue of pornography, it, it is an issue. It's, it is in this room. And statistically, 70% of men, 30% of women, this is Christian men, this is Christian women, people that go to church. It, 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 you could call it the silent plague. And so we chose today through Dakota's testimony to not be silent any longer, to, to actually address it. This whole week, I've asked a lot of people to be praying for this service today, not only for Dakota, but for you here today and where you're at. See, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Freedom really, truly comes through, through Christ. And so if this is a particular issue for you and you're struggling with, we want to be here to help you. But we recognize the sensitivity and we recognize the, the level of shame this particular area is for so many people. And so we, we come and approach it with prayer and with discernment, discernment but we also come with, with boldness and we come with courage. And it, and, it, and it really is the Lord giving you that opportunity as well here to respond. But I want to give you some resources. We, we talked this week of what can we offer just to point you and take some steps in a direction. Because I understand. I understand the embarrassment. I understand the shame that can go with that, but we want to point you towards some, some resources to take some steps. They're included in your program today. I want to put them on the screen. Dakota mentioned Celebrate Recovery. He's the co-leader. He leads the men's group on Wednesday night. Every single Wednesday night, they are here just to talk. It is a safe place to share your stuff. 
where, whether it's your struggle with pornography, gambling, food, whatever the, the, the habit you want to get over, whatever hang up you have, you know, whatever hurt you have is, is really what this, this uh, ministry is about. So there's a men's group that Coda leads. There's also a women's group that meets in a different room, uh, Keisha Woodard leads. And so this is a wonderful, wonderful resource on Wednesday nights that we offer. Only 7% of churches offer anything of recovery in their local ministry, 7%. I'm so glad we're part of that 7% that we could help in that way. The other websites I want to point to you is, it's called fightthenewdrug.org. And it's a secular site, but it's probably one of the best sites that just has a lot of facts and figures and stories and help that are there. And it's kind of interesting is the world, as much as there's corruption and nastiness that's out there that goes on, it's interesting, even now in our culture, many are saying, hey, pornography has such uh, havoc on not only the individual in their brain and their heart and their life healthiness, but affects marriages and families. And it's just, it wreaks havoc. And so here's the secular world even saying it's bad. You got to know it's bad. And so that's a great resource to look at. And the other two, they, they almost look kind of controversial here. TripleXChurch.com and Covenant Eyes, both of those with their, their, their software, well, Triple X Church is actually reaching out into the porn industry, people that are involved with it, and the incredible evangelistic ministry they do. But there's also these two covenant eyes in Triple X Church have, have what filtering software, they have what is called accountability software. So it's something you set up in your computer and your device, and you get people that are accountable with you. If this is a struggle for you, then you have people. And if, if you go somewhere on a site, it'll alert your accountability partners. I did the Covenant Eyes several years ago, and I signed up my mother-in-law as an accountability partner. <laughs> You're going to be on your toes with your mother-in-law looking in, okay? You know what I'm saying? So whatever you need to do, guys, ladies, okay, uh, to protect yourself. And then life uh, lifemoreabundant.net. It's actually a local couple, Bruce and, and Janet Wheeler, a wonderful couple. And, and actually there's some, some people that I've recommended over and over again, and they found high success rate in dealing with uh, the pornography issue, really getting into the, the side of the brain, how God's wired us and help us through it. It's just, they're wonderful, wonderful people. So those are resources that we want to make available to you. But, but I want to know this is porn. The porn uh, is a massive in, issue is obviously massive industry. It's a massive issue. And we are prayerfully attacking it here and in different levels beyond just reacting to the, the habit it is for many, many people. We're actually going to get proactive here in the next couple months and some opportunities we're going to have. And what it does is not only affects the, the individual and affects the, the relationships around, but it, if, what we do with our lives and what we click on affects the rest of the world. And so we're going to be proactive, a part of a cause. Rather than not just react to it, we're going to be proactive. So I'm really, really excited about the guests that we're going to have and some opportunities that are coming up, some events with that to, to keep, posted, keep you posted about. But we've cracked the door open here today. And again, with T Dakota's testimony, that he, as he mentioned in a little bit, even the first service, he talked about how it's a dark and lonely place, and it is filled with so much shame. I want to encourage you today, as you, if you're here and you're wrestling with this particular issue, recognize that whatever uh, it is, it, it grows in the dark. Hiding it, it, hiding it, it will grow. It, it won't get over it. it won't, you can't get over it by yourself. It will grow. And someone once said that you're as sick as your secrets. You're sick in your life and the struggles you have, you're, 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 they're with you until you take some steps to find help 
and find safe places to do that. We recognize in a large setting like this for a person to get up, it takes great courage to do it. Not everybody's at that place to do that. Not everybody's at the place to find the victory in that. But we want you to know, we want this place not to be a place of condemnation. We don't want this place to be a part of of, of bringing people down, but lifting people up. Jesus says he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And we are are people that want to embody the grace of God and and the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. So whether it's the issue of pornography, gambling, substance abuse, work, food, gossip, negativity. I know there's people I know that need to get over negativity. It's, a, it's, a, it's an addiction. Religion, criticism, whatever it might be. Know this, your, your addiction is not stronger than Jesus. God has provided a way out. I mentioned at the very beginning a promise, a promise of scripture, and it's this. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. God has provided a way out. You do not have to feel trapped in in an escape room any longer. You don't even have to figure out the secret code to get out of it. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And he wants to help you today. Whatever it might be that it's trapping you and holding you back. Oh, Jesus wants us to be free. Jesus wants us to experience this full, incredible life. We do not have to be trapped any longer. I want you guys to think about this. What would your life free look like? What would you do? What would those relationships look like? What would your marriage look like? What would your family look like? What would your, what would your calling that God's giving you to live in that freedom? You know what that freedom looks like? It looks like this man right here. That's what it looks like. And the calling that he's experienced and the freedom and the ministry that he is involved with to see others set free. Really, God you can, can do more than you can even dream or imagine to walk that step of freedom. And it is a step. It's just a step. It's not all these things I got to get right with my life. No, no. The first step is saying, Jesus, I admit I'm in need. I'm admit I'm in need. If you're bringing freedom, I want the freedom. I want to start with the forgiveness that you offer and the sin that I'm battling my life, that it's overtaking me, that I can't control any longer. Because the reality is this, that the, the addiction, whatever it's pornography, gambling, food, whatever, whatever the hook is, whatever the vice is, that's not the issue. The issue, that's only a symptom of the greater problem. What did Dakota share with? Anger. He, did, he dealt with control. He dealt with anxiety. It's within. It's not a phone issue. It's not a, it's not a computer issue. It's a heart issue. It goes back to the heart. I'd like to invite you to pray with me this morning. If you bow in prayer as our team comes. The first and greatest step that we take in dealing with the battles and the struggles that we have and feeling trapped and imprisoned and looking for a way out is prayer. Prayer is the step that we are to take and continue to take this morning. And I just want to lead you in prayer today. As your head bowed and eyes closed, I recognize the level of shame, this particular topic that we dealt with today. And understand statistically what it affects today. We're not, we're not dumb in that. We, we recognize that. And that struggle is here. But I want you to hear the voice of Jesus speaking to you today. And not the voice of the enemy who wants to take you down. 
See, the enemy, the devil, would love to bring condemnation, love to bring shame at the level. And the voice sounds like this, don't tell anybody. Oh, don't tell anybody. You, you are going to be embarrassed. You're going to be shamed and you're going to be, you're going to be rejected. That's the voice of a lie on your life today. Like Dakota experienced when he told his parents, they didn't reject him. They, they reached out and loved him. And they cared for him. He found a group of people that led him to, to Christ. So if you're here today, we want you to know, we want to encourage you that the voice that says to you today, you're loved, you're welcomed, no matter what you've done and who you've been with and your history and whatever happened, whatever habit issue you have, it's not too great. There's not too much shame. There's not too much condemnation that's going to push you away from the voice of Jesus saying, I'm here for you. Receive my forgiveness. I want a relationship with you. Your head's bowed and eyes closed. I want to take a moment today. Before you deal with whatever struggle you have today, whatever the issue is, whatever the addiction, whatever the, the, that's holding you back, if you don't know Christ today, if you don't have him to be your Lord and Savior, just like Dakota made a commitment to Christ, saying, Jesus, be the center of my life today. That's the starting point. If Jesus isn't the center of your life today and you want him to be, you want him to be your Lord, you want him to be Savior of your life, could you slip your hand up? I want to pray for you today. If that's you. Opportunity today. Yes, thank you. Yes, yes, I see you there. Anybody else? Yep. Anybody else? Thank you, guys. Put your hands up. That's awesome. I want to lead you. Thank you. I see that. I want to. I want to. I want you to pray this prayer. This is the prayer to pray. It's 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 really saying, Jesus, forgive me, forgive me my sin, cleanse me, Lord, through your blood that you shed for me on the cross, that I can be forgiven in you, and I receive your forgiveness in my life. Cleanse me, Lord, not just of one sin, but all my sins. And as you cleanse me, Lord, I invite your spirit to come into my heart and come into my life and change me from the inside out. I make you Lord and leader of my life. I confess you and believe in your name. And you said I have the promise of salvation. And I receive you today in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Well, we're going to pray for those that raise their hand taking the courage to do that. But I'm going to pray for everybody here today. Lord, we come before you and we thank you for the, the response, even today, the people that raise their hands to, to you. They say, first and foremost, before I get my life together and try to get it together, it is the life in you. And Jesus, that you'd be the center of their life. So bless them right now as they've confessed that in a genuine way of who you are in their life, Lord, that you could change them and believe they can change them from the inside out to be new creations in you respond to you. God, I pray for everyone here today. We are all touched by the story that we heard today and the battle that goes on in the silent plague of addiction and pornography. And we stand against it in Jesus' name. We stand against it in the, what the, 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 the onslaught it is in our culture, Lord. But it's bigger than that, Lord. It is it's not a computer issue. It's not, a, it's not even a parenting issue. As much as there's so many things that can hang us up and we need help. Lord, it is a heart issue. And Lord, will you give us a greater hunger for you than a hunger for sin? Lord, will you give us a greater hunger and passion for you and pursue you more than anything in this world? could offer, Lord, that's so empty and so temporary. And, and will what we think will free us, Lord, will actually entrap us and chain us, Lord.
But that is not our identity. Our identity is in you. Through Christ, we are free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed because we truly are not slaves. We're truly children of you, children of God. We thank you for it, Lord. God, may we move in this place as a church, not in a, in, in a, in a place of condemnation and shame, but a, of, of grace and truth. And Lord, wherever, God, there's, there's darkness and wherever there's shame, Lord, God, will you help us by your taking steps even this week to find safe places to share our struggles so we can find victory that comes in you as we take a step toward you in Jesus' name.